Talking Reggae Podcast. As always, I am Jay of Street Level Uprising. My special guest in this episode is an outstanding producer, the radio DJ. We're going to talk all about it, including a new album he's got out right now. Please welcome my special guest, Audio Wave. How are you, sir? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, no worries. No worries. So I've seen you as audio. I've seen you as audio wave, uh, DJ audio. Like, like, what do people just usually call you? Um, audio, DJ audio. Yeah. I mean, I started using the name years ago and it kind of morphed and metamorphosized into other things. And, you know, personally I go by audio and like my label is, uh, is audio wave records. So that's, yeah. Yeah. It's funny how like you get started with something, but then you start getting into other things and it's like the, the name just kind of takes on a life of its own as you get into all these different things. Right. Yeah, for sure. So where I like to start with everybody, man, is what's that moment that you remember reggae first getting into your soul and feeling like this is something special, this is something different? Well, I don't know the exact moment, but I do remember about the age. I was probably about 21 years old, maybe actually like 20 um, in college and uh, had a girlfriend who loved reggae. I lived in San Diego, went to San Diego State. And um, from LA, but I went to school in San Diego. And yeah, it's a big reggae scene down there. And it's just something that, you know, I heard some on the radio, but wasn't exposed to that much, especially like not any more than Bob Marley. Um, and her whole family was like really into it. So it started, I just was around it and was hearing it. And, you know, it just became like kind of ubiquitous in everything I was doing um, because it was such a, a you know predominant part of her life that like it I took it on and at that time I was actually producing hip hop like started I don't know around 99 or so with my brother who was a rapper um and was making more hip hop beats and really did that until about 2007 when I transitioned more into like making more reggae music and I started playing with a reggae band in 2007 um but yeah I the more I started listening to it and the more I started discovering other artists, the more I fell in love with it. And it just had no idea how large the world was of reggae and diverse. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's, that's the truth. Because if, if you like, if your only experience with reggae is the little bit that goes into the mainstream, then you grow up thinking, okay, there's like Bob Marley. And then there was sublime <laughs> and you know what i mean it's like and and that's it and not a lot in between it's one of the reasons i started this show was i'm finding a lot of youth who that's really their experience with reggae is bob marley and then sublime and revolution and a lot of today's artists so it was my idea was like okay we need to get like old school heads like me and and new school cats and put it all together and and talk about all of it you know yeah um, What's up? So you started off as a hip hop producer. That's really cool. Um, is that did, did you do any uh, musical schooling or anything or did you just get involved with it on your own? How did you get get started producing? Um, absolutely no school whatsoever. I, I remember starting making beats on a little Dr. Rhythm um, boss drum machine uh, from the 90s. And then, I don't know, around 99, 2000, when I started to like really get serious about it, I financed the MPC 2000. 
you know, at, at Guitar Center and paid payments for like 24 months um, and was making multiple beats every day. And just really like as I learned how to use the machine, that drum machine, I kind of learned how to structure and arrange um, music, at least from a drum standpoint. And then I discovered, oh, yeah, you need bass. And then I started to break down instruments and realize how much it took to make a complete like like instrumental. Um, and then probably about five years ago, I sat down with a co-producer who I'd been working with for a while and asked him to teach me how to play guitar. So, so it was like eight lessons, learned all the chords, learned um, major minor scales. And he said, YouTube, man, like <laughs> online, you got the basics, like I paid him, you know, as a friend, but I paid him for each lesson. And he's like, you could keep coming here and I could keep telling you stuff or you got the basics, just go on YouTube. And like best advice was, you know, the more you do it, the more you'll comprehend and the better you'll get like anything in life. Yeah, absolutely. man. I, you know, I, um, I'm from the nineties. So, uh, like I was before I started playing guitar before YouTube and it's like, man, like the resources that exist today that didn't exist back then would have changed me would have and uh, you know uh, it's uh, i i definitely i definitely envy the younger generations for the technology that they have that i like the first time i ever recorded was still on tape and i'm glad i got that experience but the next time i recorded it was when digital was really starting to pop so i did get like just a taste of the tail end of of the analog school so i'm happy about that but man you know, we do all our own albums these days, all our own recording and producing. It's like, that wasn't something that you were really going to do affordably when I first started doing it. We, you still had to go to a studio and stuff. Yeah. So that's, uh, the technology is crazy. So you come up playing hip, uh, doing hip hop production and you start getting the reggae. You mentioned earlier, you, you got in with a band. So tell me about how that got started. Uh, well, so... I was a DJ and I started making kind of like mixtapes, um, <clears throat> just taking some of my favorite reggae records. I, I started collecting. I still have a good collection of, of old 45s and, um, you know, some LPs and some 12 inches and, and just made mixtapes and gave them out to friends and traded for, for ganja at festivals, stuff like that. And then um, I don't know if it was Facebook or something somewhere online, a friend from high school was like, hey, I play in a reggae band and we're looking for a DJ. They wanted someone to add sound effects and scratches and just do a DJ thing on stage with them. So I started there and kind of transformed into being the DJ slash percussionist, um, playing Nyabingi drums and, you know, um, shakers and rattlers and vibra slaps and like all kinds of things and just adding flavor on stage. Um, but I had always from that hip hop background and, and a recording background, I also started on a Tascam four track recording tape and then moved on to a digital eight track. And then computers came around and learned Pro Tools because I was somewhat proficient in Pro Tools. The singer of the band and people in the band, you know, came to my place and we recorded and started making songs and I started writing music or at least writing lyrics with the singer. Um, and was kind of like the studio engineer for the band. Um, and then that band transformed into another band. Um, and, you know, I ended up moving away and was kind of out of the scene. So I just kind of, it just kind of dwindled and, and lost, you know, that it was to where like I could still perform and be part of the band, but it was such an effort and such a drive to go out 
and do it that it just got to not be really cost effective or worth the time. So it just kind of died out. Um, but I continued on recording and making music and um, still had friends that would send me their, their recordings to mix and stuff like that too. Was this when you were still in California or is this when you came to yeah. Oregon? Yeah. Yeah. I've been in Oregon since 2017. Okay. So it's pretty new. I was in Cal. I'm, I'm 40 years old and I was in California for, you know, 37 years yeah. <laughs> before, before coming to Oregon. So Oregon's still pretty new. Um, just recently moved into a new house and got the studio back put together. I had my stuff pretty much in storage for the past three years, everything except the, an acoustic guitar, which was amazing because in some ways, you know, I'm not recording, I'm not doing mixing, not doing a lot of that work, but I just spent time playing guitar and learning music. Um, and that's also when and why I started um, doing the radio show locally in Southern Oregon, because it was, it's just a creative outlet. I could do it on my laptop with a USB bike. You know, I was living in an RV before we moved into the house. So for three years, me and my wife lived in an RV and I could just record and do everything within inside the RV. I didn't need monitors or anything like that. Um, so it was kind of like a creative outlet and a place to express and also just a place to share, you know, some of my library of music that I had. And it having a radio show too also kind of drives me to keep my finger on the pulse. So I'm looking at what's coming out, what's new, who's out there. And that's actually how we met. You sent me one of your CDs. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. And so like that, that comes in and happens. And it's like new relationships, new music that I get to enjoy. Um, it was just, it's, you know, labor of love, but it more than anything was filling a void um, until just in October, I set up, you know, where we moved into this place and I've been setting up my studio and it's still, I'm still treating the room, you know, um, but it's getting there. Definitely. Yeah. I was excited, man, because when I, I saw you, right around that time. Cause I, you know, follow you on Instagram. So I see, and I saw that you were putting things back together and I saw that you were excited about getting back into this, this type of production creative outlet. So it was, it was cool to watch you doing that from a distance. Uh, and obviously, and, and, and we're going to talk about it throughout this, but, but let's, let's just go ahead and jump into it, man. Let's, let's go ahead and jump into from when you started in October to what's just come out, which is the Stella Green Farms Rhythm that has a lot of, uh, a lot of guest vocalists on there. So, so, so throw that at me, throw that like your last six months, how all this stuff came together. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I've been refining the studio and getting it in working order. And, um, in, let's see, I, it, in January, I think it was like maybe even new year's day. Um, just because, the name of, of the beat, I started making a beat and the name of the beat was, um, first of 2021, just generic, something to give the name of a beat, send it off to my friend. Who's a piano player and a really great musician who I've been co-producing with. Um, he's the, the owner and the musician from shield and buckler music. Okay. That's his, it's a friend's label. Someone I know from LA that I performed with and I've been making music with for a while. So he and I have been co-producing and I sent him kind of bare bones, you know, like a drum, bass, guitar, and just a rhythm piano. Um, and he sent me back some more guitar parts, some more piano parts, and the melodica, which he's excellent melodica player. Um, and then I put it together. So then probably, I don't know, around February, the rhythm was complete. And we were thinking of shopping it to artists and doing some things. And at that time, 
um, the owner of Stella Green Farms from Cal- Northern California, his name's Mike. He's a, a friend of mine from high school. I've known him for over 25 years. And he and I, you know, we're lovers of music. We've gone to reggae on the river like 10 times together. We've done festivals, you know, like been good friends. We also have been up till four in the morning playing, playing drums, you know. Um, but yeah, we go way back and we've talked about for a while this idea of how he can promote his farm using reggae music. Um, and he listen, he's a regular listener of my radio show as well. And he just texted me one day, love the show. It's really great. He's like, maybe one day we can make this, this, you know, promotion thing happen, or we could join forces or do something to like, kind of promote the farm. I'm like, well, you know, let me think about it. So I came up with this idea and pitched him on it to, to hire, you know, to, 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 um, contract some pretty big names in the industry, um, and pay their fees to get recordings done and make it part of this promotional album for Stella Green Farms for his farm. So he fit the bill for everything paid to make it all happen so that he could have, you know, the advertising of his name on there. And then I contracted with the artist. The first person that I contacted was perfect giddy money. Uh, who I actually recorded a song with in 2013 uh, called uh, Better Than Liquor, Weed is Better Than Liquor. Um, and he put that on his Better Off Dread album from, I think, 2014. Um, so we had a lot of to get some names and to get some people to do this was, was my friend Perfect. So contacted him. He was sure thing right away. Just, you know, pay the studio fee. So sent him some money to record his song. And then I know that he's brethren's with Luton Fire. So I asked him if it would be possible for him to con- contract that and help us to get him on a song. No problem. Did it, got Luton Fire. Everyone else, I basically approached the, through their management. We got Pressure Bus Pipe, Runkus, who's an amazing, amazing talent growing and, and getting out of, coming out of Jamaica right now. And um, Royal Blue, same thing. Like incredible, incredible talents. I remember I heard... Last summer, Royal Blue on a on a Luton Fire track, and this verse was just it blew my mind. It was so good. He's such an and me coming with, from like a hip hop background too. Like I recognize like a good vocalist. Yeah, more than you, you you know skills. You know you know flow when you hear it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and cadence and the ability to really ride a rhythm. Yeah. Um. So each artist were people that that we personally selected. Um. Some were favorites and people that I had in mind. Some are ones that Mike, the owner of Stellar Green Farms, had in mind. We actually contacted several other artists too, but these are the ones that worked out um, for the rhythm. And so we, we put it together and uh, that started in like February. And the goal was to release it April 20th, which you've made records before. Albums. Uh, yeah, man, we don't make <laughs> records that fast. So I'm like, yeah, yeah that's, that's, it's <laughs> that all inspiring. To, yeah. To get anything done in two months in this business is, that's unheard of, man. So good job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And it was all in this room. I mean, it was, I, I actually did <clears throat> try to contract. I have some friends um, in the industry who are much better at this than I am. And I tried to get help in, in some of the mix and mastering process, but it was such a quick turnaround and so difficult to do. It kind of didn't work out. So I was pretty much left on an island to do this myself. So I just made it happen. I mean, I have a couple of years experience in mixing and mastering no way am I an expert. Um, but I do have some, some, you know, 
some good plugins. <laughs> everything is in the box too. So like everything I did on the computer um, and I was able to get a lot done for what I'm capable of. Um, but yeah, so, so record is finished with probably about when, and the cover art was done by another friend who's an artist um, and everything was kind of put together and sent out to the distribution company around like the, the 10th of April, which was like a 10 day lead in to promote and get it going. Um, so yeah, it all happened really quick and it all had to like, like deadline. There's actually several artists that didn't make the album. The only reason why is because they didn't get it back from them soon enough to, to make it happen. Like, like I'm, I just got a song today actually from someone who's uh, a really good singer and, and we'll make a single or something out of it. You know, yeah, it'll yeah, still, yeah. still move forward, but just not for this project. I mean, this thing was, it, it, it was a, a creative idea we had to advertise a legal cannabis farm in California. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I remember when I first hit you up a couple of weeks ago and you're like, hold on, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm still fighting to get this done. I was like, Oh, well, sorry. You know, I'll get back to you in a couple of weeks. Um, it, it's, it's the effort it takes. And, and for, for anyone listening to this podcast, who's never like, put together their own, it's, it, there's things about doing it yourself that make it harder. And there's things that, that make it easier. You don't have anybody helping you, uh, but you also don't have anybody slowing you down. So you kind of, you kind of get both sides of it. But um, you were saying about them plugins and the plugins are great, man, but you still need the ear to like, lots of people have a laptop. Lots of people have plugins. They mm -hmm. still need the ear to put together the track like you did. And there's some things that I really dig about this rhythm, man. Um, you have a lot of, and, and I love it when producers do this, you know, there's always going to be things that are prominent in the mix. And then there's always going to be things that are kind of just out here. And it's the type of thing where you don't hear everything the first time, right? Mm -hmm. Like the first time through, like you met, and then you're listening to it some other time and you're like, Hey, wait a second. I've never heard that before. There's a lot of that yeah. going on. You have a lot of layers of, di of, of, of different tracks going on, man. Um, yeah. Did, how did you start building it? Did you, did you have, did you have a drum groove in mind? Did you have, you know, the, the basic framework and started adding stuff? How did you build up the track? Uh, well, I usually, this, this, I, I produce it the way I pretty much produce everything. I start with a drum beat um, and, and I make, made it in logic. I used to, well, I, I started with a drum machine, like I said, and, uh, and then for years I produced in Pro Tools. And then I moved on to where I really liked using Logic Pro um, for production. And I was then transitioning and making that to where I was producing in Logic and mixing in Pro Tools until I got to a point where I realized I could just still use all the plugins and do everything the same in Logic. I don't have to like export the files to another DAW to, to do that process. So now it's like I pretty much left Pro Tools behind and I just mess with logic and the reason why is because i enjoy pro I, i'm have a better flow producing in logic um so i started with the drum beat and it was it's actually what's interesting is the drums in this rhythm are um from the sample pack that i bought from green lion crew you know green lion crew yeah i do yeah yeah so they sold this 25 dollar drum pack all royalty free where you just download, it's about eight or nine folders of hi-hats, kicks, snares, all stuff. So it's, 
amazing sounds. So I took those drums and flew them in um, and played it on a piano, you know, um, and then just quantized it and kind of made it, gave it some swing and put it to where I wanted it and then moved on to a bass. And I play, I play a five string um, bass. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's two chords. It's, it's a, a minor, E minor, but the, the rhythm, you know, was, I mean, it just kind of comes, come, what comes up and comes out. And, and really it was probably like the third or fourth bass line I played. And then like, you know, two weeks later I replayed it because then I realized I needed to tighten it up and you know how that goes. Yeah. It's, it was drums, bass, and then, and then just like a, a skank, you know, a, a, a piano rhythm. And then I matched that rhythm on, on my guitar. Um, and I don't, I don't think that I really put any melody I'd been working with my, with my brethren, his name's Armando and he, um, the shield and buckler guy, um, he's really good. And especially at creating melody. So I didn't want to have too much, um, for him to try to follow any type of guideline. So he could be inspired and come, what comes out from him is just what comes out. So it was pretty basic rhythm. Uh, and some things got added in post-production too. But like the first step of it was pretty basic. And then he came back with the melodica and, and the bubble organ and those kinds of things. And then it all starts to flow. And then, yeah, a lot of those textures that you're hearing in there too, a lot of them are, are um, effects, you know, delays and reverbs. And like this, the Runkus song um, has a lot of really cool chorus effects, even on his vocals too. And there's, a, there's so much stereo field in that song that like, really got to listen to it on a good pair of speakers or headphones to, to appreciate everything that's in there. And, and that song too. So I sent him the rhythm and he chopped it up. So like when you hear each song has its own arrangement, they're Absolutely, all yeah, yeah. different. Yeah. When you listen to his arrangement, that's him. He took it, chopped it up, put it the way he wanted it, sang to it that way. I got it back. I was like, Oh man, the amount of work and effort and talent put in to like make that precisely the way he wanted it. I cleaned it up after the fact, just cause it was cut, you know, but like pretty much left it the way that he did it and let it be the way that he had kind of chopped it up. Um, I was really impressed by that. Cause there's, you know, I arranged it a certain way. And I think one of the brothers did the song actually wrote to it the way it was arranged everyone else did their own thing. And that's pretty typical. Every song I've sent out to a, to an artist, you'll get, you'll send out a song and you have this section like in your head, that's the hook. But then the artist will sing over, they'll sing their hook over what you thought was the verse and the verse over what you thought was the hook. And sometimes you might go and change instruments around to make it what it is. But other times it's like, well, that's the way that they have it in their head. So you leave it that way. And each one of these songs, everyone sang it a little bit different. The, the way that they arranged it is different. Um, and yeah, Runkus like completely flipped it and did his own thing in like such an incredible way. And yeah, I mean, I was, re I'm really, really impressed with his talent and what he was able to do with that. Well, I was going to bring that up, man, because a lot of times when you have albums that are, you know, seven, 10, 12 different artists all voicing on the same rhythm. And it's, it's cool because this is something that's really unique to reggae. You don't see this type of thing in any other genre where there's like, you know, the tunes like this and all, you know, different singers do different versions and stuff like it's, it's, it's so unique to reggae. But a lot of times when you see that, the words are always different. The melodies can be different. The hooks are, are usually different, but a lot of times the arrangements don't 
have as much variance as these arrangements on on Stella Green does. And and that's something I wanted to bring up that you already just covered because that is different. That is, I think that's really cool that it did it like that. And it's even cooler finding out that a lot of that was the artists doing their own input on it because that that just makes it more collaborative, man. You know, um, Mm -hmm. it's going to bring different flavors and it's going to give each tune its own unique flavor. So that's, that's great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and Runkus did that with his, but every other artist sent back what they had and, and the rearrangement as it was, was all done post-production. So the amount of like work and, and post-production was, was extensive too. Um, and it, another thing that's notorious in reggae music with singers and artists and the way that they write their songs is they'll do verse one, you know, verse two, and then verse three will just be a replay of verse one. And in some cases, like pressure with his song, he sang it twice, or, or at least he copied and pasted it himself. Either way, he sent me one and three being the same the way it was. With Lutz and Fire's track, he sent me one to a chorus and at like two minutes and four seconds, it was done. But then, but then the rhythm went out for another three minutes because it was like a five minute song. <laughs> so, so I actually did the arrangement of putting his first verse to be the third verse myself with, you know, taking a little, I don't know, creative licensing myself over what, what the song, he didn't seem to be upset about in any sort of way after the fact, you know, but basically like some of that kind of stuff too, was just how can I arrange this or how can I, how can I not, not just the music rearrange it to make it fit, but in some cases like that, when I had to like actually copy and paste and add over and create a third verse where there wasn't, was not one before, um, just to make it more balanced and to make it a, a fuller, longer song. Um, and it was a good verse. I thought the lyrics on it were insane. So I wanted to yeah. put it again. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Man, like, if, if it's so good, let it roll twice. Yeah. And, and then, tried to have little creative parts in each thing too, like breaking down, like, um, like I built a bridge in the rhythm, but not everyone sees that as a bridge. So like when the bridge comes and it's not a true bridge because it doesn't change key and it doesn't really switch up. It's just a breakdown more like, but that was a place where every artist, it was at the end of the third verse, every artist would start their hook there. So what I did on each song, if you listen to the third verse on most of the songs that created that break or that space, um, but like in Luton Fires, does the verse have the break and there's like a little space out, then the chorus starts. If I did the same thing for Pressure's song, it would sound the same. So instead of putting the break at the end of the verse, what I did is I had him do his first two bars of the verse, created a break there, put a little like echo effect and a little thing and blah, 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 blah. And then boom, it goes back. And so it's like his break came mid verse which is just a strange way to do it. But the purpose was to, you know, break it up and make it sound different. So every song has its unique flavor, its unique feel. And even if the arrangement is the same, it's not exact, you know, having each song feel like their own entity or their own, you know, it, it get, doesn't get stale or get, it doesn't end up getting tedious being the same rhythm over and over and over again. Cause you have some that are like 10, 10 tracks deep, 12 tracks deep in the same rhythm. And, you start skipping if you're like, ah, it's okay. But you know, and like, I didn't want anyone's track to be skipped or be, or feel like it was redundant in any sort of way. No, man. I think it's a brilliant move because yeah, it's like, if somebody's going to sit down and listen to the whole album, like just human nature, you're hearing the same thing over and over, but it's those, it's, it's the, it's you different, you know, putting things in to differentiate between tracks 
that makes it not tedious to listen to that makes it that, that gives it that different flavor so it was it was definitely the right way to go man um it's uh it's really cool that you you know all the artists that are on there are great and then you finish it up with with just an extended dub version that you did and you've got different voices on there and stuff so i know how i like to do dub which is really just me just sitting around playing and having fun and until i'm i'm happy with something so yeah. <laughs> like and i and i love it too because like i'll do i'll, I'll do dub versions of our tracks so it's it's really cool it's like each song if i want each song could have like a double life right because you could chop it up and do something else with it um so i i always like that stuff what what's your process like for it is it, is it the same thing for you is it kind of like I'm gonna just let this roll and be dropping things in and out and just do it until I'm like, yeah, that's, that's cool. How do you, how do you roll with it? Um, different for different songs. Like I, I have done a number of dub, just dub tracks for people who, you know, either wanted a song mixed and a dub version, or they wanted a dub version of a song they had. So they send me their stems and I make a dub version. And I have like a, um, a little six track. What is it? It's a Novation launch control one of those little USB mixers um, that, that like uh, it links up with your DAW. So like all the, the sends and the, the faders and everything are, 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 are connected to the way they are, but it's, but it's eight tracks. So sometimes I'll mess with that and just like put the keys and the guitars together on a track, you know, the way they used to do, you gotta like, limit. and that is limiting in some ways too. Um, and if I do it that way, I'll do like a live dub recording. And that, I mean, that's a piece of artwork itself too. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and some, yeah. And it's every time you do it, it's going to be different. Um, and I love that. And that's great. Um, there were just too, there was too much in this one for me to really go that route and start combining tracks and putting stuff together. And I did, I, I tinkered with the idea of doing a dub track for each song, but I mean, talk about redundant and tedious. <laughs> So the idea was to kind of like, um, you know, put everyone a little bit of every song on it. And then, you know, I tinkered with the idea of what would be better to have it be like a, like a prelude um, at the beginning or like, you know, it, you know, at the end to kind of bring it back. And I decided to put it at the end as like, you know, just you listen to the whole thing, you go back and you, oh, that's from that song. That's it's recognizable after the fact. So you kind of have, you know, a little bit of feeling or emotion from it. And I don't know, that was just the decision I made, but in producing it, um, I did it. It's technically live, but live, like with a mouse, um, or trackpad. Um, and I'll break down tracks and I, I did each, I think there's something like, 19 or 20 tracks on on you know on the mix and i did each one one by one so i started with the drums and just muted everything but the drums and just went through and and was doing you know delay sends reverb sends um tape delay you know stereo delays these different types of things within the drums the bass stays straight i don't mess with bass on on um dubbing but then i'll move on to like the keys and so like just soloing the tracks one by one, have the drums and the bass, once that one's all the way done and complete, then I add the keys in and then I'll do, you know, the delay effects and things on that. And everything as it's, you know, in, in uh, edit mode, if you are doing touch on your DAW, then um, 
everything that you are sending as far as effects goes gets printed um, in automation. So then it has all the automation for each track one by one by one. And by the time I'm done with it, with it printed in automation, you could go back and edit it. So that's kind of the cheat code is going back through and yeah, that, that, you know, that delay was too loud or, or, you know, the limiter didn't catch it. So it banked a little bit there or it, or there's some phasing between the guitar and the keys on that one. So it cancels each other out. So like any mistake that was made can be rectified and changed and fixed after the fact, just, you know, by simply editing it. Um, So it's kind of a long process. It took a few hours to make the one track, but it is very much a production more than a performance doing it that way. And it was 50 50 because there were so many tracks and so much to do. And the other reason was that it was, I wanted it to be stellar. I wanted it to be like, you know, as perfect as I could get it as close to as close to perfection or as close to like where I really want it with, without any mistakes whatsoever. So yeah, everything is like intentionally placed when it is, how it is like 100%. And as far as the selection of vocals, it really had everything to do with just putting Stella Green Farms in there. Cause the, the whole reason this album exists and the whole, you know, purpose of it was Stella Green Farms, is Stella Green Farms, you know? So like it wouldn't have been without them what it is. And it's also, you know, I felt my duty and also my obligation to like try to represent for them as best as I can. And that's like even all I've been trying to do with promoting and putting out the album is to, you know, represent and to like give them a good, a good showing and, you know, get get what they paid for as far as advertising goes. Yeah, man. Well, that's, that's, it's the integrity. It's, it's the integrity of the whole project from start to finish. And, you know, it's funny, man, because like, to me, um, sometimes I feel like, like when I'm doing dub, I feel like, oh man, like we, it'd be great to do to do this all analog the way the cats invented it back in the seventies. And then I think, man, they'd have killed for the digital technology that I have. <laughs> it's, they did it out of, they didn't, they did it out of necessity. That's all they had. That's all, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's all oh, they yeah. had was that stuff. So it's like, that one chance. Uh, yeah, you get one and you and you get like six other people with you, you know, like these two faders are yours, these two fit like and that's the way mixing it was done for forever too, was you get all right, this is your responsibility and you gotta hit this once because you got one shot at it or else we gotta do the whole whole thing over again. And, and it's, it's like expensive. Yeah, oh yeah, man. So <laughs> it's like you you take, you know, you take those cats from back in the day and you're like, here, here's a computer, here's all your tracks, do whatever they'd have done the same stuff that we're doing because it's the, 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 uh, the, the amount of, of options at our fingertips, like they, they'd have killed for that. I think of all kinds of artists throughout history. I think of like Jimi Hendrix would have gone crazy for the stuff that we, that the yeah. guitar stuff that we have today. You know what I mean? It, it's a, uh, everything's a product of its time. And, and it's, it's, it's great for me to hear so many people interested in dub and dub is a funny thing because, you know, dub, dub kind of became a musical genre of its own or subgenre, whatever you want to call it. Whereas dub used to always be taking existing things and making new things out of them. Now you've got people creating tracks from the ground up with a dub feel or a dub style. And that's fascinating in and of itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it can hold its, you know, its own place. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's not just, it's not just the B side that you put on there to add to it or to have, because you got space on the LP right. on the other side to right. cut in. I remember the first, the first time I saw an artist, like, and they said, like, they play dub music and it's like, well, how can you play dub? Like that's like the uh-huh. whole, the whole thing started with already existing stuff, but no, that's exactly what's happened. It became its own kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, it's like, it, it sounds like, it sounds like a dub track I mean, whether there was something existing or not. It's like they built that dub sound. They, they built that dub feel. So it's, it's really cool that it's taken on a life of its own after all this time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great, man. Well, let's, let's talk about, let's, let's move on a little bit. Um, and let's talk about your work as a DJ. Now, when you moved up from California, was it a real culture shock for you to be in kind of like, you know, out in the middle of nowhere in, in, in Oregon? Was it like, how, how did that affect you emotionally, mentally, psychologically? What was that, what was that move like? Um, I don't know. I don't know if the shock was the culture as much as maybe the lack thereof. Um, coming from where I was, especially in LA, like I, when I, the last place I lived before I moved around, I was in Long Beach. I was in a few different places, but when I left from there, I lived in Topanga. Um, and that's close to the San Fernando Valley. And if you've ever been to the San Fernando Valley, it's total melting pot. Um, every, every street has 15 different restaurants from 15 different countries and the diversity of people you see, but also like cuisine and, um, just what's available is, is vast. And to go to a place where, you know, it, it really was like, I I was where we live now has a few more people in it, but I first moved to the coast and, and seriously, we had to, to get packages. We had to have them delivered to the local outdoor shop. So where they sell like, like, um, hunting licenses and fishing rods and, you know, that kind of stuff, just because they didn't, you know, the delivery UPS, I didn't get mail. So I had a PO box and we couldn't get packages where I was. So I had to get them deliver. And that wasn't, I wasn't the only one that was kind of just the way the town was. And, you know, funny thing is just about anywhere you go looking for something, hardware store, wherever. Yeah. I need this. Do you have it? No, but I could have it a week from Tuesday, you know? So it's like you get used you get used to and forced to kind of slow down, change your pace and your rhythm, and just like not be stressed or pressured in like needing any like you're not going to get anything now. You're not going to get anything most of the time. And if the delivery says Tuesday, it's actually going to be Friday. Oh wow! But that's just you live with it, and and, and you know it's actually kind of good for for it's for, it's good for your nervous system, that's for sure. But your soul and everything else too, it it like settles quite a bit, um, and and it's just it's easier in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I would say like the only thing that was shocking and sort of like taken aback by was was truly the lack of diversity, not just like in seeing you know people that don't look like me. But in and also like people that don't think like like everyone else too. Um, Portland is is pretty far away from where we are, and Portland is is might as well be a different state than Oregon. The rest of Oregon is rural. Um, it's just it's the way it's been for a long time, and and a lot of rural, smaller, um, civic civically or or like population size smaller towns and places don't change as rapidly and they maybe push back on it a bit. Not, not to say that I've had any issues or problems with any people whatsoever. 
Um, but you just, you kind of notice that, that, you know, things, the way people are and the way that they, their views in the world and their politics um, are not that open and not that understanding. Um, but yeah. that being said, I did find nearby to me uh, that community supported ra radio station, um, KXCJ, which is in Cave Junction, Oregon. Um, and, and that town and the people that run that, it's community supported. So everyone there is a volunteer, including myself. Um, and everyone just does it because they like radio and, and they, you know, it's a hobby for a lot of people, but it's also something that they feel like it's their way to contribute and be a part of the community. And I really got to see how important the radio station was last summer during the fires that we had, which wildfires, it's a season now they're, they're you know, they're here to stay and they're always going to be threatening and, and dangerous and scary. And the radio, the radio station was, you know, on 24 seven, giving updates, telling people the latest we had, you know, fire, fire marshals and people involved and people who knew what they were doing and talking about and part of it, giving good information to the public. And it's, you know, it's a service that, that not only promotes, but helps the public in, in this small town to, to be organized and, and the community to, you know, get the information that they need. And then the, the playing music part is the fun part. You know, um, when I first talked to the, the, the program and station manager, he was like, I can't believe there's not a reggae show in this town because there's, there's definitely a lot of people in this area. There's, there are a lot of young people and there's a lot of cannabis farms. There's a lot of hemp, hemp farming. <clears throat> Southern Oregon is the number one hemp producing region in the country. And it's, you know, you can't throw a stone in any direction without hitting a hemp farm. Um, and people that grow hemp and people that grow cannabis oftentimes listen to reggae, you know, <laughs> kind of goes with it. So he was like, I can't believe there's not a reggae show. I hear you're a reggae DJ. And at the time I got linked up with him through a mutual friend who knew I was a DJ and, and DJ for reggae. And so he asked if I wanted to do a show. So we came up with, you know, two hour, um, length show once a week on Saturdays. He basically let me choose the time and the day for it to be on because it's a small station. When I joined it, it had only been on the air for a little over a year. Um, and now I joined just about three years ago. Um, next month will be three years I've been doing the show. And um, yeah, it kind of was just something fun to do at first and, and why not? And like I said before, a creative outlet, but it became more of a, um, a thing that, that I share with friends and family um, because moving away from California, I moved away from a lot of people I knew. So like it, it was, it's a cool way to kind of still connect and be a part of people's lives, you know, from afar. So I would say like, it's an FM radio station. So the signal goes out over, you know, a small, uh, low power frequency. Um, and I don't know, I maybe have half a dozen people that I know of in town that listen to it, but like another couple dozen of friends that, that stream it. Yeah, man, so the I, fact I stream it. I, I stream <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, you know, out, so, we're out here, man. We're supporting you, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's, what also is really cool about it is like they were just getting into streaming when I started. And if it was local at the time, I don't know how I would feel about it now, but at the time, it just was, I didn't know anybody. And it wasn't something that I really had that much interest in doing as a local thing. But the fact that it had, you know, the ability or the chance to, to be online 
it's like, cool, this is what I like doing anywhere way and sharing with my friends, but now it's in a structured environment. And it's also like, I, I'm accountable to having a show once a week. So putting it out there, I think I've done 150, 160 shows now, something like that. And putting it out there um, every week, you know, I'm, I'm held down by, by, you know, the, the time, the, the discipline of the whole thing. It's like, you got to make sure that you're doing it. Yeah. 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 Held accountable and made sure that it's, that it's happening. And, and the payoff is that I get to share music with friends and, and like, I'm playing other people's music. I'm playing your music. I'm playing um, new music all the time, which keeps me up on new music. But, but it's also like, it's a platform for me to play my own stuff. And I do that often, even the intro, like, like the instrumentals that are, that are the bedding to my, my speaking, my introduction and my out, you know, and, and, and like the um, introduction of both hours, that's my production. So like even the, bed, the bedding and music that goes behind it, I get to be creative with that and put on my own little thing, you know? So that's what I do on this show, man. The, the intro and outro music on the yeah. podcast is, our, is ours. Yeah. So it's, and plus it's, it's, you know, especially for what I do, it's royalty free. I don't have to worry about paying myself. You know, if, if I can't play anybody else's stuff without getting flagged, cause I don't, I don't pay the PRO fees. So, uh, yeah. so it's also a good, a good way to no, but it's, it's good, man. It's good to, um, you know, highlight yourself. Why not? You make good music too. You know, why Thank not? <laughs> why not, man? Shameless so, self-promotion. Hey man, you know what, you know, it's, and I'm, and I'm terrible. I'm really not a good self-promoter. Um, it's, it's, it's hard for me to do it. I feel, I feel like, man, come on. Like, I don't want to hear myself talk about my stuff, but it's like, it's, it's still something you got to do once in a while. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, nothing we can do about that. Tell me what's next for you, man. Um, well, so I myself actually also am a hemp and, and cannabis farmer. <laughs> um, so that's pretty much my day job and the music, like, the mixing on this album, I would say 80, 90% of the mixing on the Stella Green Farms rhythm happened between 4.30 a.m. and 6.30 a.m. <laughs> because that's the time I have before I have to go to work. And we, me and my wife have a new baby who just turned a year. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. So when everyone's sleeping <laughs> is when it's my time to, you there know. There ain't no sleeping, ahead. man. There's no sleeping. <laughs> Well, there's that, that period of time, 4.30 a.m. to 6.30 is when it's quietest around here. So that's when I, I, you know, now I don't even set an alarm anymore. I just get up. It's gotten to be where I'm getting used to it. Um, so I, I put in a lot of time before work. And now as it's spring um, and it's lighter earlier, that window of, of being able to work on music is shorter. So really the near future for spring, it's going to be planting. I got a lot of plants. A lot of plants to get in the ground, spring push, they caught, you know, yeah. so getting that done, I'd say for the next two months, I'm going to be pretty much cooped up or, or pretty much out in the field working, doing that. Um, but I do have a couple of new rhythms that are finished that I'm getting some vocal tracks back from people. Oh, that's um, great. And yeah, thank you. And, 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 uh, um, let's see, I'm working on an album with, uh, artist Rob Simeon. Oh, cool that he's such a patient and understanding person. Um, he got, his project kind of got put on the back burner for this, this thing that was just done for just a few months, just because it had to take priority um, in, in my work. Um, and he totally understands and he's good, but we've been working on something for over a year 
and most of it's done recording. I still got some work to do mixing it, but we're going to have a full length album. So it's, it's audio wave records with, with Rob Simeon. And then I have an EP that I'm working on with another artist named Ken Sirius. Um, who's one of the artists that didn't make it on Stella Green, even though he did record a song. He's, he's the one that sent it to me today. Um, and then Shield and Buckler music is my friend's label who every release, he's done, I think, five or six releases in the past year. And every one of them he sent me to do a dub for. So he puts out you know, a single with a dub version. And I have two or three in the, in the you know, waiting in, in the works right now. That are gonna be done. So I have a couple of those dubs to do Rob Simeon's album, Ken Sirius. So I do have some work to do, but you know, it's gonna be limited until I this summer I'll be able to really hopefully put enough time into it because once fall comes around, it's the same thing. When same harvest thing, man, it's harvest time. <laughs> well, like I do not have time in October. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you got you gotta do what you gotta do, man. Like those of us who don't have like, you know, a nine to five or whatever, it's like you got to go where you got to go. You got to do what you got to do. It's like, you know, that's money. It's like, you need, yeah. the, that's, that's, that's the money time. So whenever something comes in, so it's good that, that you at least have that kind of long view of there's no need to rush anything, you know, things happen in their own time. Right. So yeah. there's one thing, especially I've learned in this business is everything's going to happen in its own time, man. And so as long as you got the plans, as long as you're steady working, our first album was called Dusk to Dawn Revolution. The reason why I called it that was because like, we're all, all of us in this business, unless you're, you're making, unless it's a full-time thing where you're making enough money full-time for it to completely support your family, like that's what it is. You're living a double life or a triple life and Dusk to Dawn Revolution is, well, that's when we had time to make the album. That's when shows get played because, you know, we all had day jobs and stuff. So. So yeah, man, it's, it's, it's taken that view of here's my projects. I'm going to get to them as I can, but life has its own priorities for you. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, another exciting thing that might be happening and, you know, I don't, um, nothing's finalized, but I've been in, in talks with, uh, Luton Fire's management. Um, and we might be shooting a video for, for his song, the we Don't song, so we're, we're discussing it and trying to work it out with Stella Green Farms because the, the idea that we're having is that we want to shoot the video on the farm. So it would have to coincide when, when, with when he's in California, which is going to be June. Um, and it would be best for the plants to have some size to them so they don't look like little teeny plants, which right <laughs> now are small. So growing it. So that's a possibility. Um, and yeah, and if, if that works out, um, Luton Fire's management wants the song to be remastered um, by James Bonsai Caruso, um, who's a very, very talented engineer, six-time Grammy Award winner. He's the guy that uh, mixed Welcome to Jamrock, that album. And he mixed the last Chronics album, the last two Protégé albums. Guy's like incredible. And, and he's mixing the upcoming Luton Fire album. So that when that album comes out, it's going to be mixed by him. Um, and the talks and the idea that we're having is in some ways to do this video to help promote his album coming up too. So that's why Bonsai might be mixing the track and remixing and mastering just to get make it sonically perfect before the video. So, you know, there's nothing concrete or finalized with that. It's something we're talking about. And if we do, that could be exciting because, you know, some visuals to go along with the song is always helpful. 
Yeah, especially these days, man. It's like I feel like almost for every song, like something, do something. Because, mo- you know, it's, it's, it's funny to me that the overwhelming majority of people these days still discover new music on YouTube. Mm-hmm. More, than, more, than, more than Spotify, Apple Music, more all, all that put together. It's like YouTube is still the thing. And it's like, okay, so you're putting your songs up on YouTube, having some kind of visual to go along with it, anything. A lot of times, you know, if we're not doing an official video for a track, I'll do just a photo slideshow, just something. Something yeah. that's, that, that's more than just like staring at like one slate of something, something that, that changes. So anything you can do to bring visual to the audio is always a good idea, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we have video on YouTube. That's just the album cover. That's just the generic thing. The distribution company puts up there and yeah, you're just staring at the album cover, which is cool. You get to promote and put out the album cover, but like no one's going to sit there and stare at that. If they're doing something else at the time, that could work. But if they're looking for some stimulation, you know, they're going to go to the next thing. Even if like, it's, it's even effective to do like, um, lyric videos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah especially with with like jamaican music where you know oftentimes people from other countries even even like european countries there's people that that will take that and have it translated so they understand what's what's coming or what's what what's being said um because yeah i mean i know i've had my share of phone conversations with with artists and i get off the phone i'm like man did i just agree to something (laughs) 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 see i i grew up in south florida and so at the time, I, I could understand a lot very well. I've been living out in Lawrence for a long time now. So now whenever I go back, it's like you lose some of that. Like you lose some of your ability to, to understand Patois when you're not immersed in it <laughs> anymore. And yeah, and you come away thinking like, you know, I might have missed some, but I hope I didn't offend anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I know they can understand me, you know, right, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's my ignorance. When I, if I miss something, it's my ignorance. They, they understand me perfectly. Um, no, nah, but it's um, anything you can do to break down language barriers. So like you said, man, there's like, there's Italian reggae fans, there's Japanese reggae fans, there's oh, yeah. reggae fans in Spain and South America. Anything you do, you can do to have like l- lyric videos are like, they definitely take up a lot of time, but I've done some where I'll have, I'll have it in English and Spanish or, or whatever, because yeah, man, the, the, the more you can do to break down these barriers and, you know, first of all, it exposes your music to a bigger audience. And second of all, this, we all do this because we're, we're trying to bring people together, right? That's what music is. It's like, yeah. we're trying to bring different, different people together, different cultures together, everything into this vibe of music and specifically reggae music. So the more we can do to, to, to extend that bridge out to people, the better, man. Yeah. Inclusive. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's the ultimate goal, right? Is, is, and reggae is a very inclusive music. Reggae is not, um, it's not clickish. It's not standoffish. It's, it's, um, it's a positive experience that, that looks to bring and, and its origins as being from this little Island and to become one of the most powerful musical messages in the world is is such a blessing and that's that's the ultimate goal for it always yeah definitely yeah man yeah well man i mean i've kept you on here for like an hour so so i'm gonna let you go because i know i know you're a busy man and i'm sure you got to get up early and do (laughs) do do farmer stuff man so 
but I, I really appreciate you being here with me. It's nice to, to actually talk to you for the first time after just kind of Instagramming for a couple of years. So yeah. I, I appreciate what you're doing, man, as a producer, as a DJ. I think you have that type of spirit that you want to be a part of this big thing and you're looking to spread the messages and you're looking to um, just, just be a part of this fabric and pay tribute to the generations that came before and to spread this music going out in the future. And I always look at people like that in this, in this scene and just appreciate the heck out of what you're doing, man. So, so please check out Stella Green Farms Rhythm. Um, it's everywhere, right? YouTube, Spotify, yeah. Apple Music, everything. And if people want to check you out or if people want to work with you, which would be the most important thing that could come out of this podcast, if somebody says, man, that track is fire. How can I work with audio? You would tell them. Um, hit me up on Instagram. Seriously, like in the DMs, so much goes down in the DMs. Like I, like I, I did most of my networking for this album there with, with artists or with their managers. You find out um, it's much more responsive than even email. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it, I would, I would say just audio wave on Instagram, O D D I O W A V E. Yeah. Right on. Check out the Stella green farms rhythm, check out audio. Like you said, get on Instagram, check them out. It's been an absolute pleasure and a blessing to talk to you, man. Job blessings and keep up doing the work you're doing, man. I look forward to the next thing that, that I get to hear from you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, man. You take care of yourself and one love. All right. You too. Thanks. Want to know more about Street Level Uprising? Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Did you know that you could get our dub EP absolutely free? Just go to streetleveluprising.com slash seven. That's the number seven. This EP is not available anywhere else. You won't hear it on Spotify. You won't be able to buy it on CD at one of our shows. This EP is just to thank you for your support and features dub versions of seven Street Level Uprising tunes. Check us out on Spotify or Apple Music to hear all three of our studio albums. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Talkin' Reggae. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll talk again soon.